I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Well, it seems like we get to debate everything in the country right now, including debates. So let's check out what's going on as it comes to presidential debates. You may have heard the headline that Republicans uh, unanimously voted their uh, national committee to quit the Commission on Presidential Debates. And let's dig into what that actually is and what that actually means. So we're going to debate all of that. Uh, Of course, uh, this has been the way it has been uh, going back to uh, 1987 was when this commission was actually formed. But the thing that's really important to understand at the outset is this is not an official government entity. The Commission on Presidential Debates does sound very formal, (laughs) does sound very institutional. Uh, It actually began in 1987 and it was sponsored by two political parties the Democrats and the Republicans, which is why independents have often said that this is not fair. Uh, And it is also interesting that it is usually referred to as the Bipartisan Commission for Presidential Debates. Uh, But again, it it is not. That would uh, not be legal under the way they organize as a 501c3 educational organization, which means they would have to be a nonpartisan function. And that is how they are organized as nonpartisan Uh, But they are regularly referred to and regularly act like a bipartisan uh, commission. Uh, And that's how the debates have have kind of gone. Uh, And it was interesting. It it came out of sort of a a need from both of the major political parties, feeling like they needed something to kind of coordinate and and, uh, make there be less trauma in negotiating when presidential and vice presidential debates would occur, what the formats would be, getting both of the the major party campaigns to buy into the rules and the dates and the locations and the audience. And uh, you'd be amazed at how many levels there are uh, in terms of actually getting an agreement on that. Uh, and while it has been the two major political parties have been driving uh, that for most of its existence, they, they did, of course, allow Ross Perot uh, onto the stage for one of those uh, during that uh, presidential run. Uh, that is the only one where they have had that third-party person in there as well. Uh, so again, this uh, Commission uh, on Presidential Debates, uh, it has been the deciding body of when those debates happen and who the moderators are, again, where the location, what the rules are, all of those kinds of things. And that's always interesting uh, to, to dig into because uh, you can go back over the years and see where a certain format favored a certain candidate uh, more than another. 
you had someone like uh, President Obama is a good example who was just very good and, and on his feet and and loved to just float around the room and so not being bound to be behind uh, a lectern uh, or a podium uh, was a great advantage uh, to President Obama. And again, you can go through each Democrat and Republican and, and figure out how the uh, the rules all played. But here's one of the things that most people uh, don't understand uh, in terms of the funding, the funding for this. Now, again, the, the purpose, the stated goal of this is to ensure that debates as a permanent part of every general election provide the best possible information to viewers and listeners. Primary purpose is to sponsor and produce debates for the United States presidential and vice presidential candidates and to undertake research and educational activities relating to the debates. So that is the formal mission of the Commission on Presidential Debates. Now, again, they're not a government entity. Uh, So the interesting thing to me is you look at where the money has come from to fund the Commission for Presidential Debates. And in the beginning, uh, it came from some private donors and some fairly wealthy Democrats and some fairly wealthy Republicans got that thing rolling. And then uh, it was sponsored for a while by the American Association of Retired Persons, AARP. The Commission on Presidential Debates has also been funded significantly by American Airlines, the Discovery Channel, the Ford Foundation, the Century Fund, the Knight Foundation, uh, and a host of others. And then, of course, communities uh, bid to host a debate. And in the last round, the University of Utah actually was the site for the vice presidential debate. And so to me, one of the interesting things to look at is, okay, so these really, this is not a neutral party. They have sponsors and organizers. And so as you look at the the hoopla around Republicans saying, we no longer think that the Commission on Presidential Debate is a uh, an unbiased body in terms of how they're doing this. And then there's been, you know, various things over the years in terms of who the moderators were and if the moderators helped a certain candidate or not. And you can go through all of that. Uh, but the interesting thing to me is if we lose, if we lose this ability to have these debates, uh, then we got a bigger problem. And so I don't have any problem with the Republicans saying we're not going to participate in this because we don't think this particular entity uh, is really being uh, an equal opportunity offender or an equal opportunity supporter uh, of the candidates running for president. So where does it go from here? Uh, I I don't think in any way, shape, or form this means that we will not have presidential debates in 2024. I am certain that we will because it will benefit Republicans and it will benefit Democrats to have debates. Uh, the debate about the debates might go longer Because you'll have each camp saying, well, we don't want to have a debate in downtown New York City or we do not want to have a debate uh, in Boise, Idaho. Uh, And there'll be all kinds of things back and forth as to why it should or shouldn't. And then, of course, they will debate uh, who the moderators are. And that's probably been an area where there has been significant criticism. Uh, Politico reported today one of the complaints uh, from the uh, Republican side in announcing that they were going to discontinue that association with the Commission on Presidential Debate uh, talked about one of the moderators uh, in the last round, uh, host Steve Scully from C-SPAN, 
Uh, he was criticized uh, because uh, he was an intern for then Senator Joe Biden while in college. I don't think that's a disqualifier. Uh, it has to be declared, of course, uh, but clearly not a, a disqualifier. Uh, and so anyway, I think what we're really going to see is more debate about debates when it comes to the, the presidential election. And sadly, sadly, our debates have really lost uh, a lot of their ability to influence anyway. And part of that is because of the way they are being run. And so I do question that because you end up with these soundbite kind of answers coming from each of the candidates. You have the moderators who are trying to ask the perfect gotcha question or framing it in a way of, so please tell us why you hate so-and-so. Or, you know, please tell us, you know, why it is that, uh, you know, you failed so completely on X. Uh, And so it's set up as an adversarial non-conversational exchange of ideas. And that's where I think we've got to go. And so if there is an opportunity out of all of this, and whether that's within the Commission on Presidential Debates or another entity, uh, let's let's go to a Lincoln-Douglas-style debate. Give them time, let them say whatever they want, and let the people decide. We don't have to manufacture these social media moments as part of our presidential campaign campaigns. Let's have a conversation about the issues, the principles, the policies, and we the people. Stay with us. Much more to come. Hour number two, straight ahead on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.